Hello everyone. I'm your Tilaka Kumar, the host of Selecta podcast. This podcast is dedicated to inspire and empower women to pursue an excellence in career by filling the gender gap, to live to the fullest of her potential and to achieve financial independence. I will be interviewing amazing successful women sales leaders and entrepreneurs from India and around the globe. Where we discuss their sales journey, their challenges, their wins, and much more. Let's dive in. Okay, so hi Leslie, nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for coming on my show. Uh, so, just I want to introduce uh, our speaker today. She has twelve years experience in sales. From uh, she started from small family-owned business to Fortune 500 companies, soap to coffee. She has sold all kind of uh, products. She fell in love with uh, technology and industries. Occupied in every sales position. Now she is a trainer for sales team globally, specifically on prospecting and strategy. So. Uh, Leslie now we want to talk about what do you think about selling what is selling according to you You know I love that question and it's so great thank you so much for having me I think that in my definition I believe that selling is about helping people and it's about helping people find solutions to their problems if you can listen and understand and help them draw connections to painting a picture of what it could be like if things were different and then help them find the solution to to those issues that's selling to me okay great okay what i want to know is like how do you think uh, coming into sales as a being a woman you came to sales is there any challenges you have faced how you overcome the challenges You know, when I first started, I didn't see the overt challenges, but as I've continued my career, it took me a long time to be able to speak up and share my opinions at a table. Very frequently, I was the only woman sitting at a table full of men, and I felt like my ideas and my contributions had to be like perfect. Everything had to be exactly so before i started talking about them and um i think that as i've progressed i have definitely been able to come forward and share my ideas and my opinions more and just garnish more respect from that instead of sitting back and not sharing how i was thinking or feeling about a topic fine then i want to ask uh You know, in India, or maybe I'm not sure in US, there are many sales reps. They face a lot of issues on handling the objections. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell some five ways where uh, they can handle the objections? Yeah, definitely. I think objection handling comes down to psychology and thinking about the person on the other side of the phone. There was some data that was put out about. a study of top sales people and they mentioned that more often than not they respond to an objection by asking another question. Um I like to say something like good question, why do you ask? Because the reason why they're asking or they're putting forward that objection is a lot more important than what we're going to say and how we're going to answer. 
And a lot of times your client might or your prospect might answer that question for themselves. You know, if they say, you know, are we too small for this? Hey, you know, why do you ask that? Just curious. Why are you asking? And they start talking about something that happened to them previously that could impact the way that you answer your question. I like to, any objection I get, I like to go through a set step of motions for myself. I put an acronym to it and I call it active, the active method. Um, I learned this years ago and I'm still following it today. The first thing I do is I'm acknowledging, you know, I understand and restate what they shared with me, or I recognize that you may feel this way. So just acknowledging is step one. That's the A in active. C is clarify. Can you help me understand? Or I want to make sure we're on the same page. Let me repeat back to you what I'm hearing. And that piece is really helping solidify that we're both on the same page before I go forward and answer your objection or what I believe I heard was your objection. The next piece, the T in active is trigger which is a question that makes them reflect. You know, a lot of clients have also shared that they felt this way and then they discovered that XYZ. Have you considered that before, right? Or is it possible that your understanding of small business is different from, you know, what ours is? And if we can really unpack and discover this together. The I is inform. So explaining, making your point, sharing a story, what I found in speaking with clients is, and then V is validate. So just based on what I just shared, what do you think? Tell me, do you agree that that's important? Do you agree that this could be a good fit for you? And getting them to buy back in and join you on your side of the table and then move forward with your conversation. If you can't take them through the first couple of steps, it's probably just a deflection. And they're like, I don't want to talk to you. This is just my excuse. But if you can start having that conversation and getting some of this information out of them, I feel like you're earning their attention, you're earning their respect, and you can move forward more fluidly into the rest of your sale. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, a lot of learning. <laughs> I just want to know, do you, uh, since you are into training, have you uh, have a memorable student <laughs> during the training? Like any interesting uh, student, can you share any experience on during the training time? Yeah, I always, it's really interesting. There's always memorable people, right? But I do think that um, something that really stood out to me when I started, I when I was a leader, a manager, um, a, a training, or I'm sorry, a sales manager, John Barrows actually came and spoke and trained my reps. And he made this comment about, you know, the being in the top 10%. Only 10% of people will actually take an entire training and run with it and follow it to a T and find great success there. 30% of people are going to grab little tips and tricks and tidbits here and there and start working through those and implementing them. And then the rest of the, the people in the training will do nothing differently and sit in there. And I've always felt like that top 10%, I get the best stories. But that's the people who show up to 
you know, a live session like this or come and they're getting more content, it's because you're naturally in that top 10%. You want to learn more. You want to get better. I think that I recently did a training and one of the wonderful women who was in the session left our course and she decided to send out five videos for prospecting. Mm -hmm. And she did them on social media. She sent five videos immediately following our session that followed the outline. And she booked four meetings. And it was within an hour. It was so amazing to just see her success and her sharing those stories. Um, It was very, it was wonderful. Wow, that's great. Now, my next question is, uh, how to fill the sales funnel? Any suggestions from you? Yeah, I think um, you have to put in the effort, right? It's um, being able to build your pipeline. A lot of times we want that instant gratification. And um, you have to put in the effort with building your funnel and prospecting. My A couple of things that I think about that are really easy to, to start doing is every time you're reaching out to someone, ask yourself first, why? am I reaching out to them? Why are they going to purchase my software, my product, my service? Why is this important? How is it going to help them? If we start making our messaging in our emails, in our voicemails, social media contacts, if we start making it about our clients, about our prospects, they don't care that we're the leading provider of whatever it is you provide. They don't care that you know, we're introducing ourselves that it's when they open that email for the first time, they're looking for why me? Why do I care about what you have to say? How is this going to help me in my business? So I always try to think about that before I'm reaching out to someone. Why does the client care? How does this help them? They want to know what we can do for them and why it's right now is a good time for them to buy. I multi-channel. So I hear a lot of people that I'm talking to are, you know, I have the best luck with email. So I'm just going to email or I only do well on social media. I'm only going to approach people on social. And I think that it's very important to vary your channels that you're approaching people on. So I like to include three at least, right? Social media, email, and phone. And I say, Everyone has a way that they like to be connected with, communicated with. So for everyone who's here, you know, if you go home at the end of the day, we all know someone who won't answer a phone call, but they'll respond to a text message or, you know, they're only going to respond to you on WhatsApp. They're not going to reply to an email from you. Everyone has a way that they want to be communicated with. So if we vary our efforts in terms of prospecting, we're more likely to connect with them the way that they want to be communicated with. And we don't know what that is until we have a conversation. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. And uh, how do you think sales coaching is really important that all the sales reps should take a training? You know, I learn something new every day. I mean, we we all continue to learn bits and pieces every day that, can really change the trajectory of our career or how we're approaching something. I don't think anyone can say that they got where they are by staying in a bubble and not listening to anyone else and not learning anything new, not reading a book, not watching a 
alive, not listening to a podcast. We're all here talking to each other today because we like to grow and learn from each other. So for me, that training and that coaching is about finding where my blind spots are. Where is there room for me to improve? And then seeking out that information. What can I do differently? What can I test? What can I try that's a little bit different than yesterday so that every day I can continue to get better and better and better? I think you know we, we spoke about this previously, but part of the fun in sales is that you get paid for your results, right? (laughs) So you're getting better. That shows up in the paycheck at the end of the day. It's not like it's wasted effort on continuing to improve and invest in yourself. You're seeing it come back to you in your experience, in your learning, but also in your paycheck whenever you start closing more and more deals or larger deals. So... That's why I'm so passionate about training and coaching. And I believe that it's important to continue to improve. Sales training is going to give you, you know, better income, better profile, better job. So even I feel sales training is very important. But somehow I feel the companies, the organization is not willing to invest. I'm not sure in US how they are, but in India the least importance given by organization to invest on selling skills of their sales. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think it comes down to the leadership and where they are in the organization in its, you know, in the first few years or where if we're not looking towards profitability yet, right, that an organization is looking to just grow their customer base. The best way to do that is by investing in your sales training. And it's, it's hard to know where that inflection point is for an organization, for a company to say, okay, what's the ROI? I talk a lot with you know, managers or reps who want their company to help invest in their sales training and in their skills training. And a lot of it is, okay, let's talk about what your average order value, your average deal size is. And then what the cost of training is. How many more deals are we going to need to sell from going through this training for it to pay off for itself? So thinking about like building out an ROI like we would do for a client or a prospect, if we can do that internally for sales training and talk about, okay, here is some statistics. If we can get everyone half a percent more efficient in their outbound efforts. If we can get everyone an additional 5, 10 meetings a month, what does that turn into revenue-wise? And how does that impact our goals as an organization? But I think understanding, okay, what are the goals of my organization? And how can I justify this and have it fit in? Sometimes people are on board. Sometimes they're not. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. According to me, they're not thinking in that angle. Mm-hmm. You, you said rightly, they should think what kind of a ROI they get end of the day by investing a small amount for training. That is a very valid point. And one thing is, uh, you know, salespeople, uh, reps, they're not unable to meet their target quota. What do you think is the major hurdle for them? I think building a pipeline and and having enough opportunities, it takes time and hard work. 
humans by nature want that instant gratification. Um, I think about this like when I'm sharing this with other people, I, I think about it like buying a, a vehicle by buying a car. I am not looking to buy a car right now, but that doesn't mean that car companies are going to stop advertising on television or they're going to stop, you know, advertising in local publications, whatever that is. They're going to keep showing up for that name recognition, for the brand recognition. It's the same for us as sales reps. We have to continue to show up and be in front of our prospects, even if they're not purchasing right now. And that can be really challenging. And we typically will say, okay, well, if you're not buying, then okay, I'll see you later. But if we can continue to show up and add value and just be a resource for them, send them articles about things that they care about, I think that you're building your own personal brand. They say, I want to buy from you because you have helped me in these ways, because I have seen the content that you're posting online, because I know your effort and that you're showing up continuously. So I think that the typically it's effort, right? If we're being honest with ourselves, the second piece I see is really caring about and understanding your product. Do you believe in your product or your service that it can help the people that you're selling it to? If you care, you're going to be more interested in hearing your prospects' challenges. You're going to be more interested in hearing their problems. And then being genuinely interested and caring about their results and their success and linking the two together, that makes a world of difference in being able to hit your quota. Because you can say, okay, you know, I know that you have a problem that I can help you with. Let me start to build these pieces together. And if you see that puzzle, that's when magic happens. That's when you can easily have a conversation. That's when you can easily walk them through your process and close more deals. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that's true. First, I feel every sales rep, they have to love the product, right? Before they sell, then they should be passionate about selling. Otherwise, uh, it's difficult for them, how much ever they try, it's difficult for them to, you know, achieve the quota again. And my next question is, um, like, do you have any ideas of uh, or different ways of reaching the prospection? Like how we can increase our prospection? Is there any various ways where we can increase the prospections? I think that it comes down to what we are saying. Um, I have some ideas on ways that we can reach other people, but I think that we have to back up and first talk about what are we saying when we're reaching out to people. And um, something that we cover in our training is coming up with two different, you know, we're, we're going to go through and decide which clients are ideal for us. Let me take them and really personalize my messaging to them. And then who's still a really good fit, but maybe not in my top five, my top 25 right now. Let me figure out what, what their title cares about. Understanding our buyers, really digging into what are they held accountable to at work? 
What is their boss asking from them? How are they paid? How are they compensated? Do I understand that and how my product ties into that? That way, my messaging can be about them and something that they care about and that it's not the same email over and over and over and over. Did you get my email? Did you get my last email? This must not be important to you. (laughs) You know, you see those emails over and over again. If I can instead start looking at my clients and say, okay, these five, let me go do research on them and spend some time and effort saying, what's going on in the news? What's, are they hiring? Can I make comments about that and and line it to my value proposition and align it to my product and how I can help them? Then I'm going to message them based on really specific personalized messaging. If they're not in the top area, how can I be efficient and still be relevant to the people I'm reaching out to? CEOs in healthcare are focused here right now. CEOs in retail are focused here right now. Let me make sure that my messaging is something that resonates with them and that they care about. From there, I think I would really try if you have not done social media, I'm talking LinkedIn specific for audio or video messaging, I highly recommend you look into it. People talk about it all the time. So many people post content about it online. But very rarely are people actually sending messages. Not just like a, hey, here's an introduction. But, you know, Bob, here's why I'm reaching out to you today. This is the exact reason what I saw on your website, on your LinkedIn page. I saw that you're hiring. I saw that you just opened a new office. And here's why I think I can help you. Let me know if you're interested in a conversation. Those videos, short and sweet and really specific to them, are having a really, really high response rate across title types, across industries, across regions right now. I'm seeing it work for all sorts of clients, all different walks of life. Um, So I highly recommend trying video prospecting on LinkedIn if you haven't done it already. It's very important now for all the sales reps because I think many of them are lagging having a presence in social media. Even I believe social media is the uh, powerhouse of, uh, you know, knowing the customer better and uh, building a good relationship with them and uh, understanding what kind of interest customer has, what is hobbies, you know, what is his interest, what is his, um, the native language, whatever it is, where is located. So that when he's going for a meeting with customer, for him, it is easy for, you know, to wrap the conversation. If we know already some background of the company, that will make a customer to be comfort in talking with him. He feels more mm-hmm. comfort when he talks, right? But what mainly the major sales reps, what they do, they just, as soon as they enter the customer place, they start talking about the product, talking about the features. That is really not right way. I completely and, agree. Yeah. And about uh, outbound strategy, I understand your profile. You also specifically talks about outbound strategy. What exactly it is about? Just that. So just what we were talking about where it's, you know, talking about cold calling. So not a warm lead. Even if it is a warm lead, 
you were exactly spot on. I hear it all the time where people just start pitching their product. Here's about me. Here's about me. The number one thing everyone loves to talk about is themselves. So if we can make it about them as fast as possible, that's when we can really link them. In terms of the phone call though, like phone has picked up drastically. In COVID, it dropped off, you know, at the beginning, it dropped off pretty sharply. But the the data is suggesting that if we can get someone to pick up the phone and start having a conversation with us, that's still where people are getting majority of their meetings and majority of their demos booked. Is it by picking up the phone? And I feel like a lot of people who I'm speaking with, that's uncomfortable. Maybe you're working from home now and you have a roommate or a spouse listening in and you're worried about what they think. I'm telling you, shake off whatever um, is holding you back from picking up the phone. The numbers, you cannot argue with the numbers. People are booking way more meetings because a lot of people aren't making phone calls, right? A lot of people are sticking to typing an email, typing an Instagram or like a message on social media. But if we can step outside of that comfort zone, get back on the phones. Again, going back to your point, it's more of that connection. It's more of that comfort, the trust level, right? I hear your voice. I see, or if we can get on a video, I see your face, I see your eyes. And I there's a trust factor there that changes the rest of your sale. And let's talk about uh, women in sales. Like, mm. um, what do you think the challenge is uh, which is stopping women to choose sales as a career? You know, what I hear the most is um, in the US is family. I see a lot of women who, you know, they get out of sales because of family. And I have a daughter. It's her birthday today. She's five. <laughs> um, but she, you know, it's, I feel like it's only made me better as a parent it's changed the way that I negotiate with my daughter <laughs> or I'm using some things that I use with her, with other people, right? But it's, um, I hear a lot of people who feel like there is, you have to put in effort. You do have to, you know, work hard, but it can be a very lucrative, rewarding job. And you can still have that balance of being a mother, a parent, a, um, a wife, a whatever that is that looks like for you. And I feel like people feel like they have to make that choice a lot with a sales profession because they feel like it's more demanding time-wise than other professions. But there is, you can definitely have that balance, especially if it's if you're organized. The other barriers that I hear a lot are just the percentage of women on a sales organization and feeling that they have the right support and the right advocates. They are out there. That's my... I'm always telling people, find all genders. Find advocates that believe in you and support you and build you up and talk about you and your success and do the same back for them, right? Make sure it's a two-way street. But I think that it's so important to find those people. I had a male director... Um, in a previous job who would constantly go and share all of my ideas and be like, no, this is Leslie's, this is Leslie's idea. And, it, you know, she has this 
you know, bright future ahead of her. And he was constantly supporting me and talking about my accomplishments, about my wins, but at higher levels in rooms that I wasn't in. And it was so important for me to find those people and be able to support them, be able to connect with them so that they can continue to grow you throughout that structure. There are people out there who want to advocate for you, who want to champion you. We just have to find them. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. What I want to know is, um, what is your daily habits, which, you know, you follow, which you want, it's better if others also follow it. (laughs) I think this is, everyone has to do their own, right? I know everybody's a little bit different, but I used to wake up and be glued to my phone, right? I was looking at what messages have I missed? What's in my email inbox? And that would dictate my day. And I became much more calm and calculated and able to feel like I was in control when I stopped doing that first thing in the morning. So for me, a habit is to wake up. Obviously, I spend time with my family, breakfast, everything. But I then go straight to my computer and I look at my top prospects. Has anything happened in the last 24 hours in the news with my top like 20, 25 prospects? I'm looking at them and I'm seeing, okay, is there anything new that's happened that maybe could be a good reason for me to reach out to someone? Um, Have they announced some sort of new product launch? Are they opening a new office? Is there a post on LinkedIn that I can comment on and add value? That way, my day starts off with a very specific sales effort that's not interrupted by anything else. Something that really helps me or helped me get to that point was preparing the night before. I always set aside my last 15 minutes in my day to look at my calendar. What's coming up tomorrow? What do I need? Let me look up the companies that I'm speaking with. I have a checklist that I fill out before I have a a phone call with someone. What do I need to do? Is there anything on social that needs me to check on it? Do I have any outstanding messages so that I can feel confident waking up in the morning and saying, I know when my first appointment is, I know where I need to be at what times I know who I'm speaking with. I don't feel as rushed to get to my desk. I feel like I can take that moment and it has changed the way that I'm able to go through my day. The other thing I do in the morning is I pick three and my whiteboard is too far to reach, but I pick three non-negotiable things that I need to accomplish today. I love a checklist. I love crossing something out. It makes me feel like happens today. These three things are going to happen. And for me, it's just a mental sense of accomplishment, especially in sales. If you're picking up the phone all day and you're getting a lot of voicemails or you send out a very personalized message and you're not getting responses back. What are three things that I've done today where I feel like, okay, I got these three things done. I'm successful today. (laughs) One thing really I have to follow from you is uh, three unnegotiable (laughs) tasks that I I liked it. I have to follow it. Non-negotiable tasks, three tasks. Okay. And uh, any favorite book or podcast uh, if you want to share with others? 
I feel like I'm taking things from books all the time and trying to implement them. I've been really into podcasts lately. For the women who are on, there's a woman named Susan Trumpler. She has a podcast called Unstoppable Women in Sales. She's phenomenal. Great tips, really into the psychology and understanding people's motivators. And she's local here. I've met her. She's just such a wonderful human and a a promoter of women everywhere. I also, not to tout my own colleagues, but um, I was actually a client. I mentioned before, I was a client of John Barrows training before I joined on board. John Barrows has Make It Happen Mondays. Always good. People, I mean, the best and the brightest from everywhere talking about all different topics. Every single time I'm like, okay, here's one thing. I'm, I'm always taking notes and writing something down from that podcast. And then Morgan Ingram, if you're not following him, he puts out wonderful sales content. But he actually, if you're more into that growth and mindset, he does a podcast called The One Up Formula, where he's talking to people in unconventional, like people, not just salespeople people everywhere, business people. And I mean, just all different types of people to understand their success. What's their thing that's helping them level up? What's their thing that's driving them to keep moving forward? And again, it's about that mindset. It's about the habits. It's about those success secrets. Um, Really, really interesting. It's called the one-up formula. And that's Morgan Ingram. Those are my top three right now. And uh, what is your secrets of success? Oh, dear. Um, I think a couple things that have helped me is asking for help. I used to feel like I could do it all myself and I didn't want to reach out. (laughs) But asking for help from other people when I'm not getting it or when I'm not understanding or if I'm stuck. But I think in turn, helping the other people around me. The most rewarding moments that I can remember have been from extending a hand out to someone else when they were asking for help. And it it's interesting to see what comes from this cycle of empathy, this cycle of sharing and without expectations. My other my other moment is just gratitude. I think that if we go into every meeting, into every moment with at home, at work, in the store, running into people on the streets, whatever it is, if we can be grateful for what is happening and what's around us and for other people's influence in our lives, it just makes everything so much more joyful, so much lighter. And it in turn creates just this beautiful, magical moment. (laughs) And people gravitate towards that. And it has been so rewarding for me to be able to say, okay, what am I thankful for today? There's beautiful things happening around me every day. Let me get out of my, my own head. Let me get out of what I think is so terrible. And that gratitude practice, let me figure out, okay, what are the things that are happening to me every day that are great? In turn, it has opened me up to new opportunities and experiences that I don't think I would have had if I had not taken a step back and had that moment to say, 
not everything is terrible. Even on the worst days, like there are things that are happening. I have a cup of tea. It's great. It's in a really cute cup. I'm grateful. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I like it. So shiny, your cup. So shiny. Has an L. (laughs) Oh, your name first letter, lovely. But I really love the point what you said. I also believe the same. Gratitude is so, so important in our life. If every day, if we start being grateful to what we got in our life, we do not uh, have any worries in our life. You know, what people usually do, they will, the universe must have given 99 things for them. Yes. Maybe one thing the universe must have not given, but that one thing people catch hold of it and they keep <laughs> focused on it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So being grateful, see, the nature is so kind. You know, even during COVID time, still we are still alive, right? Yep. So for the whole life, we should be grateful for the whole life what we got now. Exactly. We should be grateful. And uh, finally, about your passion. (laughs) I've gone through your LinkedIn. You said you're passionate about ethical fashion. Uh, Is it something mean that uh, having a formal wear? or ethical wear, uh, you give so much importance, what exactly it is? Um, I think for me, we all get to choose what we do with our money, right? And um, for me, I, listen, I love fast fashion. You know, I I can't get away from a big box store, um, a Target, a, you know, whatever that is. But a lot of times they're not, taking the most ethical routes in terms of how their, you know, workers are paid or cared for or conditions. So I found some companies that I feel like I know their values. I have um, understood where their money goes and how they're treating the people who work for them. And um, yes, it costs a little bit more. But I feel like by purchasing there, that my money is impacting people in a different way. And in a way that I like, it's positively contributing to society, it's positively contributing to their livelihood. I have a local store here that I really love to frequent majority of what I own is from there because they take an extra step to go and visit with places where everything is being sewn or everything is being made and fashioned and they're going and they're giving back and they're giving seed money. I love to support women-owned businesses who are making sure that their steps are ethical, reducing like unnecessary packaging, the impact on the environment, all things that just for me, if I get to choose, if I have an option between something that's less expensive or something that's ethically made, I typically will lean that way. (laughs) Okay, so you mean ethics. You follow the ethics, am I right? Yes. (laughs) Oh, great. Yeah, see, for me, even not only related to fashion, okay, but everywhere I feel the ethics, following ethics is very, very important, especially in sales. 
yeah for example if i give one particular key account to one of my channel partner even though next time if i'm going to get a very big order from my a key account but still i do not want to take directly you know i want to give it to channel partner because from the beginning he was handling that account and he has all the privilege to manage that account even the the business going higher and higher right right so you know i don't know about us here in the in my channel partner used to you know worry sometime we have developed some account but the principal has taken away when it you know grown so big which is i really not like it for me the business is secondary the ethic is number one i feel that's common everywhere because people are selfish right i mean it's if we're thinking about our own needs first which a lot of times like we have to if we're providing for a, you know a shelter for our family whatever that looks like we always think of, in terms of you know let me figure out here first before i go forward it's like in if you're in an airplane put your own face mask on before you help somebody else but that doesn't come back to you the way that you talk about your channel partners and being able to respect that relationship he grew this account so you're going to continue to feed that to him that's it's person to person and he probably feels that way because he's had a bad experience in the past right and i think it's so interesting to say that it it definitely comes around doing things the right way making sure that you feel like your company yourself anything that is in your control is done with standards morals ethics i think it comes back to you you know i just remember there is one poet okay that is written 2000 years ago which has 1330 poets in that book it's very ancient scripture mm-hmm. in that one poet says one of the uh, poem it says like have you decide which is a bad action or a good action have you decide that whatever action your your heart is not allowing to do you know that is bad action whatever action your heart is willing to do that is a good action so you should not uh, you know decide based on the action based on the society you should decide to do the action based on your heart you should always follow your heart you know end of the day if you do not if after doing some actions if you're not getting a peaceful sleep that means you've done something wrong <laughs> that's a bad sign <laughs> for me it plays a very important role when when ethic comes into picture where whatever you do be ethical Beautiful. that end of the day going to give you the peace in life even may not you may not be in a good position because you're so ethical you may not be a good rich person because you're so ethical but it's okay it's okay at the end of the day you feel the internal peace that's very important i agree okay leslie that's all for the talk show thank you so much for coming to our show there are a lot of learnings i'm sure everyone are uh, got a lot of insights from you thank you so yeah. much it was wonderful speaking with you again thank you for listening to sell like her podcast do subscribe and share so that it reaches the maximum women to get benefit by listening successful women stories let's join together and support each other to change the face of sales meet you in the next episode until then bye take care